Dr. Amalia Gonyas-Malka. Welcome to Womanity, Woman in Unity, the show that celebrates prominent and ordinary African women's milestone achievements in their struggles for liberation, self-emancipation, human rights, democracy, racism, socioeconomic class division, and gender-based violence. Joining us today in our Pretoria studio is the ambassador of the Kingdom of Norway to South Africa, Zimbabwe, Namibia, Botswana, Madagascar, and Lesotho, Astrid Emily Heller. She started working at the Norwegian Foreign Affairs Ministry in 1992. Some of her former roles include serving as senior advisor for the Horn of Africa and West Africa, serving as ambassador permanent representative of Norway to the Council of Europe in Strasbourg, France, serving as deputy director general, head of security for UN policy and gender equality, in the Department for United Nations Peace and Humanitarian Affairs. She was posted twice to the permanent mission of Norway to the United Nations in Geneva, where she was responsible for humanitarian affairs and human rights, and she has also worked in Tunisia and Morocco. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Uh, thank you for having me. And, uh I'm glad to uh, attend a program for uh, African women because I think we all come from Africa at the start of humanity. Well, thank you so much for joining us and also at, at the beginning of your, your term of office in, in South Africa. Thank you very much. So to start with, you've served Norway for almost 30 years and during this time you've held various roles uh, encompassing human rights, humanitarian affairs, as well as gender equality. Can you share with us, reflecting back on your history a bit, on some of the landmarks in your career? Yeah, thank you. It's, uh, it has been a very uh, interesting journey and it was also a quite unexpected journey. Uh, I was very happy to join the Ministry of Foreign Affairs in the beginning of the 90s. I had worked first for the Norwegian Trade Council. Uh, Norway was uh, back then a candidate to join the uh, European Union. We have a referendum with 53% uh, no, so we did not. Uh, so that was already a change in the political landscape in, uh, in Norway. Uh, I started, as you said, my career in Tunisia. Uh, that was uh, linked to the Norwegian uh, role in the peace process in the Middle East. Uh, uh, the headquarters of PLO was in uh, Tunisia, uh, and uh, that was why it was important for us also to have uh, an embassy there. Uh, so that was the start, and it's uh, also uh, been very uh, heartening to see after Tunisia becoming such an important democracy in the Arab world. So I continued, as you said, in Morocco and then in Geneva. And uh, during that period, I got uh, two very nice children, a uh, young uh, boy uh, born in Morocco, a girl born in Geneva. Uh, and it was uh, then also thanks to my husband that our family project of uh, combining a family life uh, with raising children uh, has, made, uh, has been possible. And that's something which I often think is such a delicate balance where a woman is able to excel in her career and still have a family life, that there isn't a compromise between the two. She's able to, it's not a choice of saying, I'm going to only pursue this direction or, or that direction. Uh, and, and having that support is so necessary. It is very important. And therefore, I think it's uh, also uh, when we talk about women's rights, 
uh, it's very important to see men as partners in that journey. And I'm convinced that both grown-up men and young boys are also great benefiters of a more equal society. So it's a win-win situation. Yeah. Those are always good. Yeah. <laughs> as uh, the ambassador of Norway to South Africa, can you tell us a little bit more about the work that you're doing here specifically and the, the responsibilities that, that come with holding that role? Yes. In my job as Norwegian ambassador to South Africa, I, of course, work to protect Norwegian citizens, to promote Norwegian business, to advance Norwegian political and economic interests. And of course, to strengthen the very good relationship that we have with South Africa. In fact, today, most of what we call Norwegian political and economic interests are global interests. So much of the work that we do is to work together also with South Africa on the global arena in issues of common interest. That can be peace and security, can be climate, can be the multilateral organization and our trade system. Uh, so I think diplomacy today, uh, it has a much stronger emphasis than before on our common agendas. Um, so that's one very important thing. The other is, of course, that uh, as an ambassador, you are also responsible for the mission as such. Uh, so the daily management in uh, of the mission. And in Pretoria, we are very happy to have 20 very dedicated and uh, competent staff, uh, both Norwegian diplomats and uh, local uh, staff. So we've spoken South Africa, we've spoken Norway's role there. But in addition to South Africa, you are, are looking at representation in almost the, the southern mm. countries of, of the continent. Can you tell us how those, those relationships work and if there's any projects or, or collaborations that you're doing uh, amongst those countries? Yeah. Uh, this uh, continent, uh, which we uh, all often look at as one totality, is in fact a huge diver diversity of nations. And that goes also for this region of Southern Africa. We have some of the largest country in Africa, which is South Africa. We also have some of the smallest countries in Africa, like Lesotho uh, or Botswana. Uh, we have one kingdom and uh, five republics. We also have uh, some very different historical backgrounds. Some countries have been independent since the 60s. Uh, some countries have been very recently free countries. Uh, and if there is one specific city, uh, I think among those uh, categories, the huge inequality uh, within uh, countries that are on the uh, middle income level uh, of uh, countries, but with huge disparities within the countries. Then you have South Africa as being by far one of the most developed economies in Africa. While other countries like Madagascar uh, have huge development challenges of the more traditional uh, development ch challenges. Um, so it's an interesting uh, group of countries, but also they have in common that they are partners in SADC. So SADC we see is an important uh, organization also. And also in this region, you see that the interest of one is linked to the interest of mm. the other. Yes. The systems 
connecting with each other. So those are going to be quite a few challenges because it's not a homogenous grouping. No. So is there a, a, a common theme that you're looking at uh, in terms of your, your term of office or uh, you, you tell us? Absolutely. No, I think uh, just to... Uh, First, one of the challenges, of course, with uh, our relationship, if I can say so, uh, with South Africa is also the strength because we have such a broad range of areas of cooperation. But we need also to focus on a certain numbers where we can really make a difference and make progress. So what we, we look at, I can say, I, I think one of the most important things that we see uh, in our relationship it is to create the partnership on global issues. Um, I might say we have a we feel a very close relationship with South Africa, which is not only because of current common interests, but it is because of history and values. Uh, so we have been we are a peaceful country, but not uh, for unjust pieces. Uh, so we helped South Africans in the struggle for equality and against apartheid, which we felt very deeply as a common agenda also. And after that, South Africa was uh, in many ways a uh, model for many countries in the world by your constitution, which is setting the bar very high, not only on the continent, but at a global level. So that community in history and uh, values, we think is a very good basis for working together on also the global issues. And just last week, when you're talking from a constitution point of view, I had uh, an interview with the Deputy Minister of Tourism, Elizabeth Tibete, yeah. and she spoke about the fact that when they were engineering the new constitution to make it a human rights-based yes. constitution, which provides benefits to all citizens, uh, building that, that inclusivity Absolutely. factor. And I think South Africa was the first country in the world guaranteeing in its constitution equal rights not only for men and women and people of all colors and ethnicity and religions but also uh, all sexual orientations and gender identity so uh, it is really what i think is leading by example and of course setting the bar high for uh, yourselves uh, but that is very important also when it comes to south africa having a role in the international community because there is a direct relation between what you are and what you are able to convey and contribute. Mm. And it speaks to that idea of, of progression and, and development. And if you have got a high bar, reach it. Absolutely. And then build, build another one. But I think also uh, South Africa as Europe has known the opposite. Because you have known the consequences of hate and discrimination and oppression you really are able to advance the opposite with a huge credibility. And that is why I think also for many European countries, including Norway, human rights and democracy is so important. It is also because Europe has experienced the exact opposite. Millions and tens of millions of Europeans died genocide against uh, the Jews, against the Roma people, against disabled people and against homosexuals. We have experienced it. Uh, so I think this is, in today's world, where we have now uh, cold winds blowing in uh, with uh, voices wanting to divide us, it's very important that we stick together with countries such as uh, South Africa. 
Those are all in incredibly important points and, and really speaks to the fact that we, we can't forget history because if you forget history, you don't have the context and the reference point to not repeat Absolutely. ills or errors of the past. Talking about equal opportunities for all, Norway is well known the world over in terms of what it's done to address gender inequality. Do you have any specific development programs that will help women's development in, in Africa? Yes, we have some specific development programs. I mean, we have an action plan on uh, women in, uh, in, uh, in uh, Norwegian foreign policy and development policy with very concrete goals and uh, targets to, to read these goals. There are five priority areas in that. And they all go under the umbrella, if I can say, rights-based and an empowerment of women. Um, so the first is education, access to education uh, for girls and women as the tool, the most important key to your future. Uh, the second is uh, the right to sexual and reproductive health and to control of your own body. Uh, this is also ex extremely important, in particular for girls in developing countries, where a very early pregnancy can not only be hindering your future career opportunity, but can be paid by your life, uh, which is very often the case, in, uh, unfortunately. Uh, the third is uh, political empowerment uh, of women. The fourth is economic empowerment of women. And the fifth is to fight the terrible uh, violence that women experience. Uh, not in particular when they go uh, in the street late at night uh, in a city, but uh, most of the time at home uh, by their uh, partner, husband, uh, former partner, or former husband. Uh, women are being killed, uh, raped, and uh, harassed uh, at a terrible uh, scale. Uh, and that is also something that we see as uh, key to address in order to solve, to, to empower women. Yeah. So with those pillars, are they uh, particular programs? Is it funding? Is it working in partnership with local institutions that have conceptualized these programs and you're, you're helping drive them to scale? Yes, I think with the, the first basis, it is that we work on the rights-based approach. So we have common norms and standards, including the UN Convention on Elimination of All Discrimination Against Women. Uh, we also have as a common goal, the Sustainable Development Goals. And that for us yes. is also very important. Norway is one of the absolute biggest uh, contributor to development cooperation globally. Uh, it is providing over 4 billion US dollars per year and 1% of our uh, gross uh, domestic income. Uh, so this um, more... Uh, That's uh, a massive uh, uh, contribution. Yes. So as important, I might say, as the specific gender-targeted programs are uh, the integration of the gender aspect in all our development work. So when we have uh, the priorities that we have, we have also five big priorities areas in development cooperation, including health, education, job creation, climate. It is then to see the gender aspect in each and one of the programs that we are carrying out. When I look at what you're saying, I see Norway as not just about looking at its 
itself as an entity, but really as a participant in the global economy and in every sphere that it, it touches. I think it is, uh, I'm very glad for it, but I think it's also uh, uh, a recognition of our place in the world. Uh, It is both a result of, I think, values and history, uh, but also a very well understood interest that the well-being of others and our well-being are very closely related. And that is in particular the case for smaller nations. It is in particular the case for a very open economy like ours. For us, the organized world order with agreement on standards and cooperation as a way of working, it is also uh, what we think is the most effective for all nations. Uh, And the contrary to that is the law of the jungle, uh, the right of the uh strongest yeah that can never be in our interest something which has stood out for me and um doing this program uh, it it resonates and uh, w- with my heart in particular is that earlier this year i remember seeing a picture which i thought was was fairly iconic of female leadership in norway where all four of your political parties are now headed by women and then just before I started doing research on our show, I looked across your government and arguably the top four powerful posts are occupied by women. Your prime minister, minister of finance, minister of foreign affairs and speaker of parliament. Mm. Can you tell us why you think are some of the reasons for this positive picture of female leadership in Norway? Well, I think it is in a general a uh, framework, first of all, of a country where democracy is important, where human rights in general is important, and with where uh, inequalities are limited. Uh, when you have that as a general um, situation in your country, it's also easier to promote the rights and situation of women. Uh, so that is, I think, very important background. So you've got this egalitarian society set up. Yes, and that was the case uh, since uh, many years ago. Uh, It started with a strong labor movement at the end of the 18th century. It started uh, with having right to vote uh, very early. It started with having uh, progressively uh, also the the workers' rights and the democratic rights, which I think also eventually explain why we have been able to manage the oil and gas resources to the benefit of the people uh, when they can, because we had a society at the outset that was uh, egalitarian. But for uh, women leaders, it has been very important also that we had some pioneers and some pioneers uh, in politics uh, who uh, did not uh, take up the ladder (laughs) after them, but saw themselves as pioneer. So they used their position whenever they came in position to include much more women. So that was a case with our first prime minister who was a woman, Gro Harlem Brundtland. She was prime minister three times. Three times? Yes, and she became later head of a World Health Organization. 
she made also she had the first government in Norway with uh, gender parity in the government. Uh, and of course, the political parties then eventually also started to have their uh, policies as political parties, as I know some of the South Africans also have, of as agenda parity. For example, when you make election lists for general election or municipal elections. So this is something that is building up over time, of course. Uh, then I will add one more thing, where I think also our current prime minister is very important. It's to show that women in leadership do not need to be perfect superwomen. You can be a decent person, hardworking, and have a program, and achieve a lot of things. You do not have to be perfect in all scales of life. And you do not have to sacrifice everything. You can have a spouse, you can have children, your house can be more or less good looking, you can be more or less good looking, you don't need to be a perfect <laughs> outfit, it's, you can be good enough. And I think this is a huge source of inspiration for women. So it means that we do not only look up to role model as some unattainable... She's uh, real. Yes, but they are real people. And I think also another person like Angela Merkel, I think is fantastic for that, conveying uh, solid leadership and very confident in being good enough. Yes. And staying with the topic of leadership, I think that building female leadership capacity is incredibly important for the future of women. They could, women can see and, and recognize yeah. that this is something that they can do. And it also shows men that women can be leaders. But there's very few countries that have female heads of state. Norway obviously being one of those exceptions. What steps do you think need to be taken to perhaps make countries more ready to accept female leadership? Well, first I need to uh, to correct one thing because our head of state is a king. But it used to be that the son of the king automatically became king after him. Now that rule has changed. So from uh, the current crown prince, it will be the eldest child who will take over from uh, the king. This is a constitutional monarchy, mm -hmm. of course. Our prime minister is, uh, as you said, uh, a woman. Our uh, minister of finance is a woman. Our foreign minister is a woman. We have a government of four political parties, and three of these four are headed by, uh, by women. Well, I think also it's important that women do not engage only in gender issues. Uh, women must engage in defense. Women must engage in uh, finance. Women must be engaged in all issues, not only the classical soft ones. Mm. I almost see that the, the, that the functional areas are what drives the development. And gender is just part of that. It's not, uh, it's, it's not about focusing on a gender issue, but it's incorporating it into those, those streams. So if Absolutely. we're looking at it from an economic point, we want to make sure that both men and women are equal participants. That reflects from a finance point of view. If we're looking at it from a, a political leadership, it's, it's going on with, with that type of uh, empowerment component. We did have a period when we started to have maternity leave paid in Norway. And we started to have the state paying uh, for kindergarten at a large scale, where the current finance minister said that we cannot afford it. Uh, 
so then uh, it was in a sense tried out in practice and it showed that having maternity leave for women so that they can both have children and work and having kindergarten it increased the number of women in the workforce in a proportion that exceeded all expectations and that both created wealth in itself because instead of working at home unpaid they were working outside their home and it increased a lot the revenues of the state because they are paying taxes so they are contributing also by that sense to the welfare state so this is also very good economics it creates wealth in the country to have the largest part possible of the population working and it creates revenues to the states again another win-win yes you are listening to Womanity, Woman in Unity on Channel Africa, the African Perspective, on frequency 9625 kHz on the 31 meter band, also available on DSTV channel 802. Today, we're talking to the ambassador of Norway, Astrid Emily Heller. We would love to receive your comments on Twitter at Womanity Talk. Ambassador in the previous segment conversation, we spoke about Norway's contribution, looking at partnership components with South Africa and, and in fact, any other country that it's working with to attend to global issues. We also spoke about some of the work that you're doing in particular for women, following on from a rights-based uh, aspects, one being access to education, looking at sexual, secondly, sexual and reproductive health, thirdly, the political empowerment of women, fourthly, the economic empowerment of women, and fifthly, how to counter gender-based violence, particularly on a domestic side. The very first point of this is about education, and that just seems to be our, our crucial point of, of departure. It's, it's vital to empower individuals and uh, societies. You received your Master of History as well as your doctorate from the Paris Institute of Political Studies. Please tell us what role education played in your life and career development. Well, my uh, personal uh, experience, apart from the fact that you learn to read and write and count, it is that uh, first of all, education and uh, both higher education and uh, earlier, it, it opens the door to uh, curiosity. The more I learn, the more I realized what I do not know. And it has uh, created in me a huge appetite for learning. Uh, and that I think is also an, uh, an asset in life that I really go to work with joy every day because I look forward to learning either a new country or a new person or a new issue or to know more about what I know just something about uh, earlier. The other thing that for me was very important, it was that it gave me s more self-confidence. Uh, in particular, when I uh, tried something that I found more difficult, I mean, I came with a Norwegian curriculum, but I studied in France, so it was more difficult for me than if I stayed in Norway. And also when I did my PhD, I really did it like others climb the Mount Everest <laughs> or the Kilimanjaro. It was a, it was a challenge uh, for myself, which gave me confidence. I, I knew I wouldn't uh, look into a career in academia, but it was just to achieve something difficult. So I think also for many women and men, uh, education helps you to get confidence 
uh, in yourself. You're so right in terms of expanding the mind and pioneering, going where where others have not gone before. It, it does stretch. You've shared some of your views on education, on what it's done from a personal point of view. How do you think it plays out in this role of, of being a, a tool in the hands of women to help not only change their lives, but also the children's lives? I think uh, the education is the most important tool in the toolbox, both of the woman and of the family. Uh, it has been proven without any doubt that uh, not only is it important for the personal empowerment of women, but extremely important for the children. Uh, that their mother has a certain level of education. So there is a direct link between the le level of education of parents and the children. Not always, fortunately, uh, but uh, there is a correlation that is also very important. And with education come many other things, including health, including understanding uh, the issues of health uh, and health-related issues for the family. And you spoke earlier about um, early mortality rates with younger women in particular being uh, falling pregnant yes. early, uh, impacting on their uh, chances of development. Not turning towards more of a, of a personal reflection. One question that I ask all my guests on the show who've tremendous achievements in their respective uh, fields is about what factors they consider to have contributed to, to their success. So some people speak about hard work, others talk about perseverance or a particular person mm. in their life. In your opinion, can you tell us what have been some of your key drivers? Well, I think it's some of these uh, that you have mentioned. It's a combination of uh, personality, of uh, opportunity, and a lot of luck. luck. Uh, it is, uh, I was very lucky to be born uh, with the parents I had. I, was, uh, I had loving parents, uh, three brothers and sisters, and I was always loved for who I was, not what I did. Uh, they taught us also the values of uh, tolerance and respect for all people, uh, which I think it's extremely important. So it, it meant by nature that it didn't matter whether we were boy or girl, black or white, gay or straight. It was just that you are uh, valued as a human. So that's a, an extremely important point of departure because it means that later in life, when you will face hardship, uh, you will have that confidence in the bottom uh, of your heart uh, that you are good enough. And of course, uh, I think there also, as uh, many women, at least my experience is that we have a little um, concern that we might not be good enough. Uh, so that is sometimes I've seen so many brilliant women who do not dare to apply for a post uh, or to live out their dreams and expectations. It doesn't have to be leadership at any. And it's that just that little uh, fear of not being good enough that can make the difference and see that men who are far less competent get that position that also it it encouraged me a lot <laughs> in life yeah you're so right i hear this time and time again in terms of these different perspectives of women who don't feel good enough so they they don't go out and 
chase. So we also need to uh, be able to face defeat. We need to be able to face opposition and hardship. So that is a cost of it. Uh, there is, it's not something you get without daring also to, to apply for posts that you will not get. Meeting people that are not nice to you. Uh, also making sacrifice when it comes to uh, what you must uh, also, if you have a spouse and children, you must know that it comes at a certain cost, uh, but then you have to organize your life in a way that it does not come to a big, too big cost to the rest of your responsibilities and interests also. You've walked this journey, you've got sound foundation in terms of the values that you were brought up on, and you're here today as ambassador of, of Norway to, to South Africa. Can you please tell us a little bit more about pivotal moments in your life growing up on, on what was part of this construction of the journey and, and the steps that, that took you here? Well, I... Uh grew up as the fourth child of a family. Uh, my uh, father uh, grew up uh, in poor conditions in Norway, in very ha economic hardship. When he was 14, he was a lone child and took care of his mother. Uh, but also then because of education and because we are a egalitarian society, a man like him could have a decent job. Uh, so that was very important. Uh, my mother uh, is uh, from France and an artist. She lived most of her life as a housewife, also raising children and traveling around uh, the world also with uh, the family. Uh, it, it gave us a very good uh, basis, also being a multicultural family, that there are some basic values in life, but there are so many ways to live your life. So you don't have to follow a specific recipe. You are good enough, and if you do uh, know yourself, then that is the most important. And can you tell us who have been some of the strong women in your life? Yeah, I think uh, one of the first I uh, saw in public life, it was the first Norwegian prime minister, Gruhalem Brundtland, which I remember as something very special. And my, uh, it, it, it was a huge society issue also because she was young. She was a woman, she had four children, and she has, she had a, also a husband. So it was also that, uh, that strong image uh, of woman coming as a woman. I'm not uh, asking to be uh, accepted as a man by looking like a man, behaving like a man, walking like a man, and talking like the man. I'm asking to be respected as uh, a woman. Uh, that was a very important signal. And then all the women who have helped me by encouraging me, whether it's my mother who said also, Astrid, don't do like me to stay at home and be dependent on a man. Uh, my sister who said, who encouraged me, you are great, you are fantastic. And later in life, those women who say something nice to you, uh, it costs so little and it means so much. Those are all fantastic points of, of looking at things from external inf influence mm. from the first prime minister, looking at it from an internal influence in your family, speaking back to the, the confidence factor that it builds within you as an individual. Lastly, as we close the conversation today, 
Could you please share a few words of wisdom, inspiration that you'd like to convey to younger ladies that are, are listening to us? I don't know if I'm very wise, <laughs> but what I would like to say to all ladies is that you are great, you are fantastic, and you are fine. You are that because you are unique. So build on yourself. Never let anybody else judge you. Don't, let en don't compare yourself with anybody else. Don't try to look like somebody else because then you will only be a bad copy. Your value and your specificity is that there is only one on the whole planet that is just you. So just be proud of who you are and build on that. Uh, and that I think when I see young girls today who are also ex uh, exposed to this pressure of the beauty industry, uh, of uh, wanting to have surgery on uh, different parts of their bodies, uh, to be accepted, to be looking good, it really hurts me. Uh, and I think that we must be very careful not to go backwards. What we have gained by hard work uh, over the last decades, we must not allow it uh, to go backwards, neither by political ideology, nor economic interests, nor culture, nor religion. We must be very uh, mindful. And the last thing I think it is when you have achieved uh, progress as a woman, look around you and look if the other women have achieved their progress. The indigenous women in your country, the lesbian women, uh, the uh, women with disabilities, how is their situation? And we might find out that they are not well. And I think this is maybe the biggest factor uh, where women who usually you, you do not dare, but you will dare on behalf of somebody else. So I think this is something that gives women a lot of strength. Is this when you feel that you do something for somebody else than yourself? Thank you very much. I think that that's both wise words and also practical words that will help individuals but galvanize a sense of unity and and not leaving anyone behind. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you very much and I wish all all women in uh, South Africa and everybody who is listening a fantastic day. You have been listening to Womanity, Woman in Unity on Channel Africa, The African Perspective. And we have been talking to the ambassador of Norway, Astrid Emily Heller.